0: So. What I'd like to talk about today is a little, something a little bit odd, and that's the story of Agar. Okay. It's not the story that we think about when we think about Lechtacha. Lechtacha is the story of the noble achievement of Abram Avinu. He was the one who communicated with God, and God communicated with him and told him to go to Eretz Yisrael, Canaan, to Eretz Canaan. And from there we learn this great, uh, the great truth of uh, that has been promulgated by Judaism uh, since the time of Avram Avinu, that was a long time ago. And that truth is, that truth is, you could say, like, Asher HaYove, the Ram, less Abram, God said to Avram Avinu, he told him to go, to go to Eretz Kena'an, right? Where was Abram Avinu? He was in Haran. He was in Haran, which is uh, the name of a Babylonian city. And where did he come from? Where did abram Avinu come from? From ur Kasdim. ur Kasdim. so he was on his way. He went from ur Kasdim West to Haran. Now, why did he do that? Why did he go from Ur Kastin to Haran? Well, because his, his father. father him, what? His father took him to Correct. His father told him, we're going. And so they all went from Ur Kastin to Haran. But where were they really going? To Canaan. Well, they were really going to Canaan. So, right. They were really going to Canaan. Now, when they got to Haran, Something happened to his father, died or he didn't die, but you know there was some kind of uh, an issue there in Harad. And God appeared to Avravinu and said to him, I, God, so to speak, want you to go to eretz In In other words, God commanded Abraham to go to the place which he was going to anyway. He was going there. So, it seems odd. I mean, why, if Abraham is going there, why would God have to command him to go there? Seems a bit, uh, like, extra superfluous. So, the answer, I think, is that the two acts look the same, but they are fundamentally, essentially different. Because one is something that you do because of whatever motives you might have conjured up. And the other thing is something you do because God directed you to do it. So for the Jew, for the Jew throughout history, it's always been, you know, how do we follow this directive of Avraham Avinu? That whatever we do, wherever we are, we're always trying to follow God's overt dictates, or trying to understand what God would want us to do in a particular, in a particular case. And so when Avraham Avinu is introduced in the Torah, right, in the Parach of Lechelcha, Avraham Avinu is introduced in the Torah, he's not introduced as a great philosopher, or man of letters, or a, a person who, who was able to think out of the box and come to the conclusion that there must be one God. Who is Avram Avinu is introduced to us as the person who acted based on a demo, divine command, and that was the new thing about Avram Avinu. Something no one else had ever had ever been before, and so the Jewish people throughout their history have devised, try to devise ways to respond to God's will. And that's what we do. Now sometimes, so we have a Torah, and we have the Talmud, and we have the Halakha, but it's not always true that the question is answered in any of these books. So we have devised a method of answering questions that have not yet been answered. And we see that as following in the 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 divine demand... following the divine demand... doing what God wants us to do... and that's the lesson from Adam Abedinu... it's true that some Jews here and there are great philosophers... it's true that some Jews are great scientists... but being a philosopher... or being a scientist... is not the cynic qua of the Jewish ethos... it's not who we are... we are the people who follow God's will... and when that will is not obvious... We try very hard, as well as we can, to follow what we imagine God would want us to do. So that's Avram Avinu, a very noble, very uh, um, significant personality. And then along comes the story of Hagar. you wanted to ask a question? Yeah, you said I wrong with the first to talk about what about Noach? I mean well, Chazal, Chazal pointed out that Noach was like a little sluggish in building the ark and while he should have spoken to others and told them what he was doing, he didn't do that. It's true that, um, that the idea that Avram Avinu would be followed that his children, his descendants would also inherit this personality trait was not the case with uh, was not the case with um, uh, Noah, or even with Adam and Rishon. or with Kayin in heaven. Right? There is there's still a bit of a difference. It's still a bit of a difference. But um, after the other manchavim were kicked out of Gan Eden, the communication possibility between God and, and the people changed. And Abu Mathida was the leader of the new world. Right? not Noah I know. why was he the leader again not because he was a philosopher but because he responded to the directive the divine directive that was a, a novel idea new thing, something that no one ever imagined that, that God would want something of us I mean if it were so insignificant small uh, you know and, and, and so the Pasha of Lephecha, in as far as it's about Avraham Avinu, should be grand, should be something marvelous. But then we come to the story of Hagar. And you remember the story, well, I'll look at the sukkim in a moment, but you remember that the, the story of Hagar is not any of those things. There's no greatness to it, no grandness to it. It's It's a kind of a... A, a story that you might read in a modern-day novel, you know. Uh, it just doesn't make sense if you're thinking about Avram Avinu as a particular kind of person and of his wife, Sarah, as the next very significant person, even though you know that, uh, as I'll say, that Sarah, in this case, had greater prophecy than Avram. So let's look at the Psukim and try to see if we can make sense out of it. Out of it. So, so we'll read the sukim first, and then we'll look at the Rashi. So it says Sarai ancient Abraham. Her name is not yet been changed. Lo yodalo, the So there's a background. The Pasutta that tells you Sarah, she had a a, a a a maiden, a maid servant, whose name was Hagar okay, what all of these things mean legally? Like, who owns whom? I mean, I can imagine that the Gemara would be interested in that, but, but we'll just take it for granted that what the Pasuk says is actually what, what was. V'atome sarai el-Abraham na Hashem Miladet. sarai so Sarai uh, has a sort of like a compassionate position. We have no children. Maybe um, you, if you if you take Hagar as uh, your wife, uh, maybe you will have uh, children. And since she is la ibane mena, right? Isn't that is what it says? Yeah. Ulay ibanemi So somehow there's some kind of legalism here, hidden. That if the wife has a maidservant and uh, sort of offers the maid to the husband that somehow the child has is legally uh, part of the family of the of the wife and not of the the maid servant. okay. But so she did it. They had this idea, and then they did it. And then by So she became pregnant. she Hagar, became pregnant, and she felt Hagar apparently felt that she had achieved some new level of significance. And she was not treating uh, Sarai with the deference that you'd expect a servant to treat a master. So that's what they tell. But to Sarai El Abraham, Pasuk Hayek, right? Chavatsia Lecha. Anok unatati shifrati v'chikecha v'chikarata v'chikau v'ineha yishpoz Hashem v'ni v'nechasokha you know Sarai has a she has a ka'ana. she's complaining look what happened I did you this favor she says to Abraham but I did a good thing for you and something bad happened to me because then my servant Hagar no longer thinks of me as being her master so I'm very angry at you Abraham Kasuf v'abayom Abraham Sarai neishikate v'yadeh Okay, so here's Abraham. He's faced with this kind of dilemma. And, uh, and instead of, uh, I mean, we know Abraham, you know, when, uh, when God wanted to destroy Sodom, remember that story? Abraham fought valiantly against what he thought would be perceived as an unjust act by God. Right, you remember that story? Yeah, he argued with God. What? He argued with God. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, negotiate. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about something else. Yeah. I'm talking about something else. Avram Avinu, let's say, in modern day parlance, you know, we were talking in a, uh, like in a frum shear, you know, frum? It was a frum shear, so we'd say, Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu knew that God was just. It wasn't a question in Sodom Gomorrah whether God was just or not. But Avram Avinu's problem was that God would be perceived by others as being unjust. And if God would be perceived by others as being unjust, how do you expect me, Avram Avinu, to go around and spread the word? After all, that's the way the character called Avram is perceived by Hazal as being somebody who's going around to convert the world to his position on God. So Avram says to God, what if there are 40 righteous people, 50 or 40 or 30, what about them? What do you mean, why did he start with that number 50? Because 50 is something that you notice. If there were 50 righteous people in Sodom and or Amorah, everybody would know about it. Everybody would know about those righteous people. So Avraham Avinu says to the God, if everybody thinks that God is unjust, how am I supposed to spread the word? How can I get everybody? So Avraham Avinu didn't, was relentless until God had told him that if there are any righteous people in Sodom or Amorah, they would be spared. And there were none. There were none. So who was spared? Lot, who was far from being righteous. The only thing to say about Lot is that he grew up in the house of Avram Avinu, and he knew more about righteousness than anybody else. But to say that he was righteous is a little bit difficult. So that Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu, is seen to is in, in our thoughts. We think about Avram Avinu. We think of the person of the person who who felt that God's justice has to be seen as well as a theoretical position. When God does something in the world, we have to be able to say that God is just. If we can say that God is just, then how do we expect people to convert to Avraham position? And yet here, in this case, Sarah comes along, Sarah. She comes along with a complaint, and I'm loving it. Says, "Do whatever you want." You know, I couldn't care less about about the future of this relationship that I have with Hagar. So now we go on. By Yomer, that's pasuk ba, pasuk zayv. By in se'er ma'alach Hashem, al ein hamayim bavibar. So so Sarah kicks her out and she's wandering around and there's a Malach. Malach Hashem found her. You know Malach Hashem? No Malach Hashem ever found me. I mean, it's a privilege to be found by an (laughs) angel. So like I'm reading a story about Avram and Sarah and Hagar. Right? Avram and Sarah, Sarai, are my heroes. And who's the hero here? Who is... Who is kind of being popped up by Malach Hashem? Hagar. Hagar Sarai So she says to the angel, I'm running away from Sarai Gvirti. Right? Literarily you understand, gvirti. What does gvirti mean? Sarai Gvirti? Means my, my master, my mistress, right? The person, and so what was the Tana against against Hagar? What was the Tana against her that she treated her mistress scornfully? She was not. So you see that the way the Torah writes it, somehow this is working out. The lesson is being learned, and Hagar says to the angel. Hagar says to the angel uh, uh, again. Pasuk uh, Yud. No, pasuk. Pasuk Tet. Vayom Hagashit Chatz. Right, right. So if they say, "I'm guilty," I'm not That's what she says to the angel. I'm running away from my the master, uh, the mistress of my fate. Pasuk Tet. Vayom La'balach Hashem. Shuviy al Gvurtech. Vehit ani. Tachad Yadav. Go back. And and whatever happens, it happens. The way she treats you, she will treat you. This statement by the Malach, which is you you will have uh, a tremendous number of offsprings, right, your seed will increase uh, uh, at such as they won't be able to count them. I mean, what is that? What is that pasuk? Well that is that is the Brit isn't it? That's the covenant between God and Avraham Avinu. One of the two things that Avraham Avinu has promised he's promised zera, offspring and he's promised nachalah that he would get the land of Eretz Israel. What is Hagar promised? She's promised Zerah. She's promised offspring. And she should not be uh, uh, stymied by the fact that Abraham and Sarai seem to be in collusion to do this uh, unreasonable thing. So, Pasuk Yudah Aleph, Vayog alav alach Hashem hinach hara v'elei v'in v'krat yishma'el ki shama Hashem el onyech. So the Malach, the Malach, the angel is talking to, to Hagar and tells her you'll have a child and this child will be where he is there'll be a lot of action around him. And you know there's this famous pshat of the Samsofar, Pera Adam. You know what Pera Adam is? I'm not, I guess and like a wild man, like a wild man. So, uh, as Chasson said in Hebrew, I mean, I don't know if he ever went to Ulpan, but he had this good insight. He said, "What's the usual relationship between the noun and the adjective in Hebrew?" The noun comes first. The adjective comes after the noun, right? Except one exception. Per Adam, that's the exception. In other words, his, his primary trait is that he's a pera. He's a wild man. And secondarily, he's an Adam. But the conversation is being held between the Malach and Hagar. And that's remarkable. And she ends up, she listens to promise which is very similar to the promise that Avram Avinu is going to get in the Brit Bain Habitarim in next week's parasha. So I think reading, you know, here we are, we're reading together, we've discovered, we've discovered a kind of a fault, what seems to be a fault in the character of Avram Avinu and also Sarai. And even though they are about to be promised that they will have a child, and that that child, Yitzchak, was actually a miraculous child because they were both very, very old. <laughs> Nevertheless, on the eve of that promise, on the eve of that promise, Abraham and Sarai are acting abusively to Hagar for no particular reason. For no particular reason. In fact, in fact the angel of Hashem but God's angel comes to Hagar and tells her not to worry that everything will work out okay for her, even though Avraham Avinu and Hagar, Avraham and Sarai, don't see it, don't quite see it. So I mean, look at a few a few of the comments that Rashi makes. You know, Rashi, Rashi doesn't let us, you know, doesn't leave us with this simple shot. Of the Supreme, but he, he, he keeps on pushing us to understand more and understand it better. And to look more carefully at the words in the parasha. So just uh, let's look at a few a few of the statements of Rashi. Uh, the first pasuk alam shivchami like Rashi says. I mean, most almost everything that Rashi says is based on the midrash. So, I don't have to say that again and again. No, Rashi is the funnel through which we learn Midrash. It's too hard for us to learn all the Midrash on Parshat HaShavuah. It's too much. But we can still learn Rashi on Parshat HaShavuah. And Rashi gives us a good overview of the Midrash, of what's in the Midrash. So, what does the first Rashi say? That Haroita, ukshe'raah nisim shenatzul sarah, amar mutatzut hei abiti shifcha b'bayit zeh velogvirah b'bayit acher. So Rashi says that the explanation of the word is shifcha mitzrii. How did she maintain? Why did she maintain her identity as being an Egyptian maid service servant? Or alternatively, if you like to learn Rashi. They were, what difference does it make to me that she was Mitzri? She could have been from Edom or Amon or Moab or any place, any place from Canaan. What do I have to do? Why is it important for me to know that she was a Shikha Mitzri? So the answer is that her identity as an Egyptian woman was so special that it could never be denied. How so? Well, she says, Ba'kara Ha'kara. She was the daughter of Paro. So, you know, how, you know how it is with Malchut. or well, maybe you don't know. But if you came from England, you would know. Malchut is something you can recognize. Right? You can recognize. You ever see Queen Elizabeth? She's got it, right? I mean, not that she does anything. Or that she ever did anything. One. Who has it? The children did not have it. <laughs> uh, 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 children didn't have it. Well oh. can't have everything. You know, some people would say that it's important for parents to have something to do with their children. And some people might say that if you're a king or a queen it's a little difficult to fulfil that requirement. But in any event you're right. So I'm just talking about Queen Elizabeth. the king of Egypt saw that Sarah was such a special person. Miracles were done on her behalf the so better that she should be a servant in the house of Sarai than be a master or mistress. In some other, in some other household. Um, Why the word amar? Who said it, Is it masculine? Amar what? Uh, oh, amar. amar that, that's how the medrash writes. Amar. It's as though he said it. Either the king of Egypt, the pharaoh, said Mutab, a b c. She's better off over there. Like you know, like the people in the court said, how could you let her do that? She's the daughter of a king. Oh, well, why would you want to be a, uh, a maid serpent? So that's, uh, that's what it says. Rashi says, that was the, Rashi notes the fact that the verb that's used to describe someone who has no children is bana. That's nun Which means to build something if you don't have any children you, you somehow didn't build it you didn't build what you should have what you should have built ok uh, ok ok because Gimel if you <coughs> see Pesuv Gimel Latikach you know the word Latach in Hebrew in the Torah often means Vayikach uh, Korach Rashi says, Likacham bitvarim. And he convinced them, he spoke to them. Here Rashi says, Latikach Sarai, Likachta bitvarim, Ashrekh, Shezachitvi, Darekvi, Gupta, Darekvi. So she said to like, him, She was uh, apparently not so interested in becoming a junior wife to Avraham Avinu. So Sarah had to cajole her and said that this is really a tremendous opportunity, the to cleave to such a holy body. That's what Rashi said, and we're going to come back to that. I mean, it's a strange thing. You know, you think she would say to her, you'll get money, or you'll oh, get honor. You know, what if the students of cleaving to such a holy body? Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, let's let's uh, let's turn the page. And we can go on in the Rashi. The Rashi, of course, is uh, is a very interesting. But let's let's turn the page. Let's turn the page. There's a second section in the story about Hagar, and this has to do with after Yishmael was born. Right? You see, it's Perikapalik. The sukim say the following: LaAvraham <speaking in Hebrew> Avram had a son, you know, there was a promise had a son, Sarai, and his name was Yitzchak. But Tomah Sarai, God wants everybody to laugh at me. He says, here I have an old lady, I'm going to come in with a baby, I'll say, it's my baby. They'll all laugh at me, they think I've lost my mind. How could an old woman like you have a baby? But Abraham, who's gonna i mean it's it's sort of embarrassing to think that a woman that age could uh, could uh, uh, feed a baby so he would uh, the baby was weaned from his mother's will at that time they would make a big party that was uh, uh, you know anything for a party. So there you have it. A story. There's somehow tension between Yishmael, who's not named in this puzzle, right? Ben Hagar Abraham Mitzachek. What is Mitzachek? What does it mean to laugh? So Rashi says he doesn't want you to make any mistake. You see the Rashi, Pasuk, uh, uh Pasuk Tech? L'It's a Vodazara, idolatry. Kemosh Nehma, Voyak Tumu, L'It's a Heik, that's a proof. second possibility, L'Ishon Giluya sexual, uh, um Averis, uh, Kema like it says later on the Sahak B. Savaracher, third possibility is, L'Ishon Ritzicha. All right so, so you see you see that Rashi, Rashi uh, uh, makes this a religious and cultural struggle between Yishmael, the son of Hagar and Yitzchak, the son of Sarai. So that it turns out. It turns out you sure. we have to, with like many these sukkim. And what is going on here? What was the point? What was the point, pray, of Sarah offering Hagar to Abraham? Was the point that there was a lack of idolaters in the world? That there was a lack of murderers in the world? Is that what was going on? Wouldn't you imagine that if Avram had a son and that son was named Yishmael. Boy, that's a good name. Yishma, to hear, he will hear. El, God will hear. What a name. You would think that minimally even if Yishmael did not achieve the heights of Yitzchak. But that's what he came out of the union. Of Abraham and Hagar, a union that was that was uh, organized by Sarai, which was supported by the Malach. Remember the Malach when, Sarai, when Hagar was chased out. The Malach came there and said, "Oh no, this is it. This, this is the way it's supposed to be." Don't you think something good would happen? Okay, not great. Not, not, Yitz, not the Yitzchak. But a good person. A, a fairly good person. Not worse than Lot. And according to this Rashi, the person who was a child who was born and grew up was the worst of people. Was the worst of people. Rashi says, the He doesn't mean either A or B or C. He means... It means A and B and C. That's who Yeshuael was. Yeshuael was a Para adam Now what do we need a Para adam for? I mean, I don't know if my... I, I feel that this is a reasonable question. I, th- I think that people might ask this question. Like, what was the point... What's the point? Why I couldn't God have just told Abraham Babylon, listen, to, hold on, Abraham another couple of years, you're going to have a baby. You and who? You and Sarai. You don't need Haggai to have a baby. We don't need this kind of uh, uh, eventual fight between Sarai, between, sorry, between Yishmael and Yitzchak. What for? So the Pasuk goes on. Where are on Pasuk and. Uh, the first time they chased her out, Sarah was the one who did the chasing. And Avraham was the one who did the agreeing. Now Sarah comes along and says, No, no, I did that already. Now you, Abraham, get rid of her. I want to get rid of her and never see her again. So he says, I don't, 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 finally, it's the Avram Avinu that we think about. The Avram Avinu that we dream about. Avram Avinu said, I can't do it. I Can't just send them away. I mean, it's not reasonable. My son, my wife. So that's Avram Avinu. Sara, Shema, Bekola. Remember that passage? Uh, okay, listen to Sara. Whatever she tells you to do, that's what you should do. Bekol, asher, Tama, Emeka, Sara, Shema, Bekola. Ki, Bi, Yitzchak, Ki, Kare, Necha, Sara. Left passage, Begam, Eben, HaAma, L'Goya, Simenu, Ki, God says, don't worry. Don't worry, he'll be a great nation also. don't have to worry about him. Don't think if you chase him out, he's going to die. Someday, even though he almost does die. What is this story about? What is this story about? So, as usual, there are two answers. Right. The first answer is that I don't know. The second answer is that I'll tell you what some of the great commentators had to say. Now what is particularly interesting about these two statements is that one comes from the Meshach Chochma and the other one comes from our Now Meshach Chochma, Ramea Simcha HaKarim, who was a Rob in Dvinsk. The Dvinsk was a little town and we still with two Rabbonim, the Meshech Chochma and the Ragachov. And we could fight about who was greater, but we would have to agree that both were great uh, scholars and, uh, and Talmudists. But the Meshech Chochma was a Misnagi, and the Ragachov was a Lubavacher. I mean, in those days, Lubavachers were like all the Hasid. Rav HaShavah was the rock of the L'Bav and the Meshachach was the rock of the non-Hasidic. Sudan. listen to what they have to say. You see it on, on the second page? You see the second page? And they, they even though they don't say it, they're all deal, both dealing with this dilemma that I pointed out right now. What is this all about. What is it about? Who needs it? Who needed the son called Yishmael? Why did Abram Avinu have to enter into a relationship with Agath? who was Egyptian and came from the house of the king and probably was not sympathetic to the ideals of Abram Avinu. And who ended badly in the sense that she was kicked out and then she was kicked out again and she was almost responsible for the death of her son, Mishmael. This is, you know, like, why couldn't we just not add this story? Not add this effect? We wouldn't have had it. So look at, look at the Meshech Hachma. You see the Meshech Chachma? You see it? It's in the second half of the second page. This is what the Meshech Chachma says. Da. Now, uh, I'm going to say it's not going to be so easily understandable to us, to us, to me, to you. But let's just try to get what the Mezrichachim and the preacher have to say. The Mezrichachim says in his commentary on the Torah, he says this da da nefesh el adam Okay, this is like a certain kind of philosophy. Nefesh, we usually translate as soul. But that doesn't mean that we know what it means, but there's some kind of internal uh, life force that we have that is not subject to old age or the body uh, uh, disappearing or uh, getting weak and and dying. Who seichel Separate intelligence. Intelligence is what God into man in creation. Secha, intelligent, nivda, meaning separate from and distinct from God. But very similar to, only God could make man with intelligence. Because only God has intelligence. So here we have, Adam Shalom He becomes whole. Man becomes whole, perfect, as he should be when he comes into the world. The Azma said, And then, the person, a man, a woman, become, they get transformed when they're born. They get transformed from being just intelligence to be part of the created world. Because you need a body to be part of the created world. So this is this idea that we are some kind of combination. Of chomer and ruach, of you know stuff and spirit. This is something that is not so easily understood. <laughs> And somehow that after he died, after Rabbi Yoshaiah died, they passed him like him. So that somehow the neshamot are connected to each other. And they get differentiated when a person is born and comes into this and comes into this world. Uh, just one second. So then he says, So that's his introduction. Now, if you look at the beginning of the fifth line, B'nai Anru Shabbat, in the Gemara and Shabbat, Ad Gimel Taurot, Lo the next word is Zuham It took three generations. In other words, there's like, like were are talking about a problem. First, they we're talking about a problem. And the problem is that, after all, Avram's father was named Terah. Good guy or bad guy? Bad guy. Bad guy in the dollar he sold the idols. I mean, whatever whatever you say. So the Chachomim in the Gemara, they want to know how long did it take to get the genetic mapping of Terah out of the system of Agrab and Yitzhak and Yaakov. You understand the question? I mean mean, of course they they didn't use those words but we might as well use them because they're around they're the words that people use today there's a genetic mapping that people have there are chromosomes right we know all those words so that means that if Avram was the son of Terah he wasn't only the son of Terah he had Terah in him and so the Gemara wants to know how many generations did it take to get rid of Terach, to get rid of that gene, of the Terach gene, and the Gemara says, three generations. And the Gemara says, three generations. This is like a theory. It's like a like a genetic theory. I, I don't know if it's right, but to me, to me, it's just interesting that that the there's this openness, this awareness of the situation. That where did Avram How did Avram get rid of those terat genes? Where did they go? so here the Meshech Khoffmat says came Abraham Abraham that Sarah Sarah her genetic meeting with uh, with Avinu. right the Sarah egg with the Abraham Avinu sperm she Sarah and her egg only took the toad. the good out of So what happened to Tera? What happened to the Tera chromosomes? So he says, "Azuma natla Azuma So this this idea put forth by the Meshech is it had to happen. It had to be that way. Because in order to have Yitzchak as a son, and what does the Torah say about Yitzchak or What is Lachmimah? Perfect. He was perfect. He never left Eretz Yisrael. He was offered as a sacrifice. There were no blemishes in Yitzchak. He was the perfect son of the wondrous parents. But what happened? What happened to that Terach set of chromosomes? Where was the Terra DNA? So according to the Mesher Hachma, that was Ogur's job. Jet- get it out of Avram a, uh, see, I'm not arguing anything that's scientifically. I'm arguing an idea. There's an idea that this is something that in the fellowship, we're concerned about it. We know that you could be you could be special. You could have your own ideas. You could be unique. <coughs> but how do you get rid of your inheritance? How do you get rid of who you were? And he says, I should tell you this, uh, Elokut Terim Shukir Vorov Sarat had said it well, I told Amazing. So Sarah. Sarah knew. Sarah knew that Abu Mabino had to have a child with an idolatrous person like Hagar. And she had to have, get rid of all those inclinations of murder and sexual offenses in order that the child that Avram Rabbeinu ultimately would have with Sarah, that child would be pure, would be good, would only get the good genes from, from Avram Mavina. Now if you look at the free side. see the last paragraph of the page? The last paragraph. Tzadok HaTol Min a book called Kovach Mincha, right there you go, Tzadok, I've told you many times, Tzadok, the Brocha, the great blessing of Ratzot HaKathari was that he was a Rebbe in Lublin, but he had no Chassidim. Since he had no Chassidim, he had a lot of time to write books. And those books are great. Listen to this. Chagar HaMitzrit hi haMovida haZimah vaGshafim uVagrutah olida Yishma'el shemimalei Zimah Translation. Hagar, She is the one who gave birth to, uh, to all the bad things. Zimon, Shokin. And then later on, she gave birth to Yishmael, who had all of these qualities. Haya Kodem Yitzchak Shaddai At So Avramavinu, according to the way Bhaksadak so thinks about it, you know that there were Esanisionot mentioned in the book. There were ten tests that Avramavinu was tested. Ten tests, but those tests were not just, let's see you do it, Avraham. But each one of those tests was necessary. The last test was giving up his son Yitzhak. in a sacrifice. So so the, the tests were not just to see if Avram would listen. But the test had a practical purpose. And the purpose of those tests was to forge Abraham of Inu, to make him into what he was. Even though he was a good person passively, the test forced him, forced him to be a good person, listening to God actively, <coughs> and that's what—that was the. As we go through the test, that was the Avraham who could have a son whose name was Yitzchak, and then finish that son through an act of uh, of, uh, of Brit Milah. Uh, that was the finish. So we see, I think, I mean, I don't know, so I've made the point. you like, bang on the table. The Meshachach, who was a Miznadi, not a Chassid, and the Pritzadik, who was certainly a Chassid, without a doubt, were they confronted with this question of what was Hagar. in the story of Avram Avinu. They both say exactly the same thing. That Hagar Hagar had to be she had to make it possible for Avram Avinu to have his son Yitzchak without being encumbered by the tradition that came to Avram Avinu from Terach. That couldn't be. They both agreed. And therefore you see that the story of Avram and Hagar is a story that had to become, it had to be, and there was no other way for Avro to have a son like Yitzchak who was an Olaf to Mimo. Uh, so I hope we've done it. Have a good chance.